0: Welcome to episode 79 of Shoulder to Shoulder podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community, match by match, fan by fan, story by story. This week, we want to finalize our player grades by finishing up with forwards. But first, let's go ahead and introduce the crew. Of course, joining me as always, Christian Aparicio and Chris Signs. Good evening, gentlemen. How you doing?
1: What up, Black and Gold cool family? I'm excited. I'm excited. Player ratings, it's the most fun part of our rating system because they're the strikers. And that's obviously the most entertaining part of the matches. So I'm excited. We had some trade deadline stuff that we're going to talk about that I'm not excited about. I think I might be... Again, I think if we go back to when Orto was traded, you'll see that again, I was sad about Orto being traded. So I think that just sums up my uh, Orange Slices uh, mentality of the podcast. But uh, no, it's good. It's good. It's, uh, at least we're getting movement and players are getting talked about and LA it on the uh, lips of people in Europe and that's a good thing. Totally doing well, man. Uh, I'm happy to get together again and talk
2: some footy, some offseason stuff and then also the player ratings. We were able to actually squeeze out three episodes out of this. Not to talk about, can't wait to get each other's reactions to some of the recent news and also see if there's consensus on how the players did in 2020
0: yeah we had no intention of making three episodes out of this i think it just became apparent early on that i'm not very good at being quiet so hence we've now done uh, our third and, and final episode on this player grades but before we get into that we got deadline day madness we got rossi rumors we got players going left and right and ultimately we ended up seeing a player departure but before we get into the actual things that happened i was kind of curious to get your thoughts around just the madness that is the day the rumors going back and forth the tweets and retweets and reports and someone heard this from somebody's grandma who saw ferris bueller at 21 flavors and how it all pans out
1: okay so let's get this out in the open diego rossi is not going to be with lafc for long so him being talked about during trades no is an expectation and I think it was eventually going to be the same thing with Brian Rodriguez right so we know that players we have are going to be talked about and of course there are going to be rumors that lead to nothing and some that lead to something it was an interesting conversation though I think that Jonathan had with Vince LaRosa we was talking about how the transfer market website is baseless and it is fan generated and it's not a true representation of the value So the whole time that these rumors were coming in, which was in the ballpark of 10 million euros from Reading, it didn't seem to hold a lot of value because we had an expectation to sell Diego to Fiorentina last year or 18 months ago, and that was the value that we had for him was like $13 million. So if there's an offer coming in that's lower and he had a greater season last year than he had the previous time that he was being discussed about being transferred, I don't see why we would even consider that offer. I felt that could it have been possible that Diego was going to be transferred this window? Yes. Is it still possible because there's other leagues that have transfer windows that are closing in another couple of weeks? Yes. But I don't, I don't feel like the only thing that we saw from Reading had any kind of merits just based off of what the numbers were being thrown
0: around. What I'm hearing from you is I was right and Vince was wrong. Is, is that what I'm hearing?
1: No, no. I have, you know what, it's, I think that it, Vince <laughs> makes a great point in saying that there is no true direct correlation between the values that are represented on transfer market and what is actual real value, right? We, we all know that supply and demand, Diego is worth whatever somebody wants to buy him for and what we're willing to sell him for. But I just feel like whatever that offer was, if it was in the ballpark of 10 million euros, that we would rather hold on to him and sell him for hire because we feel he's worth hire than get rid of him.
0: Yeah, I think it was 10 million pounds, right? But look, the club basically came back and said 18 million was as low as they were willing to go. 1 million pound fee with a 9 million pound option later to buy. That's just not good business lafc especially with their first few sales is going to have to do some good business in order for that to pan out i don't think any of us ever saw 10 million euros pounds dollars whatever is being enough for diego rossi not without some crazy percentage of his sell-on rights or something else being involved in a contract for a dollar amount that low to go through which was kind of the back and forth that vince and i were having and obviously vince does make a very valid point just because it says something on transfer mark doesn't mean that that is exactly what a player's value is but lafc had basically come out and hinted at the fact that diego rossi was a 20 million dollar player previously so this was based on some information that had been i don't want to use the word leaked but insinuated from the club itself so i think we all sort of arrived at that 20 million dollar number based on a small amount of evidence and expecting lafc to take a one million dollar loan payment just didn't didn't hold a whole lot of water my favorite thing about the whole reading back and forth were some of the reading fans on Twitter that jumped in and there was one of them who seemed to be going after the 3252 and the laFC fans by attempting oh, to encourage yeah. the rest yeah <laughs> so he posts a video of you know, 20 or 30 Reading fans sort of cheering, saying, looking what a mighty section we have. And there was a bunch of crickets from the rest of his fans after that as LAFC fans were getting all over him with pictures of uh, the North End going off and to the point where he ended up blocking those comments. And uh, I-, I thought that was the funniest thing of all that nonsense. But uh, Christian, yeah. curious to hear your thoughts on Rossi and all the craziness that is uh, deadline day.
2: I mean, I don't disagree with Vince's saying, yes, the club values him at $20, $18 million, but in the pandemic and a lack of sales or ticked entrances, right, for Reading for an entire year, I think that might be their best offer. And if there isn't a wide market in the top flight leagues, then it might be something they have to consider. I mean, I, I don't disagree that maybe you don't sell them, but then at the same time, think about how Rossi feels. What if he wants to go? Like, And he's kind of going to play disgruntled a little bit. And I know we'll talk about a little bit but I feel like that's that's a little bit of the situation that kind of forced that loan so there's a sweeter way to maybe make that loan offer better or if we have other suitors that are just not public that have a better offer then it's understandable but Reading I haven't looked up where they are on the table trying to get into the Premier League but it's a storied club and but I don't I don't see them as also a Rossi type team for him to go and the the attributes, the style of play that he has uh, from memory. So we'll see what happens. I don't disagree, though, that transfer market is a point in time. I think the best use of that website is to see what a player sold for previously.
1: That's at least how I look at
2: it, not to project forward so much, especially in the last year and a
1: half. So, Reading is currently in fourth uh, with 47 points, and Nor- uh, Norwich City, which is in first, has 55 with a game in hand. Uh, Reading has a game in hand.
2: No, well, that's not bad, because places three through six go into a playoff, right, for that third spot. So, still not a bad place to be.
0: Well, if you're in a playoff spot pushing for, you know, a chance to get promoted, bringing in a big player could help. I think, to your point about players wanting to be sold, I think there's something to be said for... The pride inherent in how much a player sells for though and i don't think a player wants to be rated at 20 million and then sold for 1 million you know with with a chance for for 9 million down the road i think that kind of has got to weigh on the players a little bit as well too sure they want to go to a big club they want the chance to be on the big stage and i totally get that but i don't think they also want to be the player that know, sold for 5% of their value or 50% of their value as well, too. I think they want to be a player that is sold for a lot of money, that there's some inherent value in that to them as well, too.
1: Messiah continues. We have have a little bit of time. Let's get on to the biggest news of everything over the last couple of days. Of course, it happens the day before we are able to do our evaluation of our forwards. We have a player that is no longer with LAFC. Uh, Brian Rodriguez has been loaned out to... UD Almeria of La Liga 2. Unión Deportiva Almeria. There you go. Unión Deportiva Almeria. And that, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, guys. Because I I know that there was the Brian Rodriguez comments. Uh, I think that initially when we saw those comments, everybody took it as Brian was saying, I want to not play for lafc i want to play in europe but after i read the article from benjamin for heart of lafc i didn't feel like his translation of the conversation that was on the radio program represented that same thing i think that it was more so a back and forth conversation of brian saying i eventually would like to play in europe but right now my contract is with lafc and i'm on vacation and if nothing comes up of my contract during this transfer window i'm going to be back in la so i mean i have no idea but i don't I feel like the idea that Brian just wanted to be out isn't necessarily the accurate truth. And I think that Brian brought a lot to the pitch. I know that his numbers are not what people want to see out of a DP. But I feel like he contributed in other ways that opened up the field and allowed for other players to get their lanes and find runs and uh, score goals. And I I think that it's going to be missed this upcoming season. I don't think we have a player that can fill in where Brian was immediately.
2: I don't disagree with you. What I would say is, I think he was transparent in that interview, though, saying that ultimately he wanted to go to Europe. I'm more than positive that he knew that this was in the works and potentially imminent. And he was being a little coy, but knew that obviously he has a contract. One thing you will say about Uruguayans is that they are true professionals, no matter where they play they hold the the sport very sacred and they make sure they put everything they got into the sport, right? So he got what he wanted to do ultimately. But if you think about it, yes, he's a designated player, but he's almost a designated player in development. He came at 19. Not a lot of designated players coming at that age are impactful that quickly. It's a little bit rare. At the same time, if we look at Bob's record on younger South American players he has been able to develop them if you look at Segura if you look at Atuesta Rossi so I think another year he would have probably popped in our system but I think that was a reason why he didn't in conjunction with he's behind Vela and Rossi and his preferred spots on the field so he was never really getting the the kind of reps that I thought he needed. So I think the pandemic kind of delayed Rossi moving, and he moved before Rossi at this point, right? So those are all things I take into consideration. He didn't produce, and that's what I think the fan that just looks at the box score and the wins and losses versus his development and his impact will say. And I don't disagree that he could have done more, he should have done more, but at the same time he wasn't pushing to sit any of our starting forwards down and also not gelling with him at all times. So he got what he wanted. I think we did a good job of bringing him on. Hopefully, potentially, we don't know the details of the deal. It's a good deal for us. And I understand from a a UD Almeria perspective, they want a top prospect because they're trying to get into La Liga. And it's a good showcase for him if he wants to cast the attention of some of the top six in La Liga. So that's kind of my... More than $0.02 on how I feel about Aito going to La Liga 2.
1: That's a Jonathan explanation.
0: (laughs) Speaking of which, there's so much about this that we don't know. We don't know the finances involved. We know that if the loan runs out, he'll return on June 1st. But theoretically, there's an option for them to buy at the end. And that option gets triggered based on certain performance clauses that we're unaware of as well, too. So it could be one of those situations where he goes over there, initially performs very well, and then that team sees what they wanted to see from him and benches him so that that clause doesn't happen, so that they could try and, you know, renegotiate the terms of the contract. Could be one of those things where LAFC fans want him to do poorly based on how that contract plays out so that he comes back in June and we have a chance to resell him or that he doesn't go off so to speak that he has, you know, some moderate performance while he's there. So that he comes back and we have a chance to resell him. Uh, so without knowing the finances of it, it's hard to grade the deal right now. At the moment, there are a lot of people using the term bust on him. That he's not lived up to the status of a DP. That he's not been able to be sold on for the amount that would have made it worthy of the investment in him. I'm curious if you guys think it was a bust or not. To me, I just think it's too early to tell.
1: No, I don't. I don't think that there's a bust. You can see that in certain formations and in certain schemes, he does well. You see him playing for his for the Uruguayan national team, and he fits into that system. So I don't know. I don't think that he's a bust. I think that people need to start realizing that just because you're a designated player and you are paid more than you know 26 other players on, on your team— That doesn't mean that everybody is going to be your top goal scorer. You can only have one top goal scorer on a team. And, you know, there are different roles that have to be filled. And it just, it's because you have such a high powered offense like we have, you know, having players like Carlos and like Diego scoring as often as they do. They are able to do that because defenders have to be aware of the other players on the pitch. And Brian was a player that that pulled defenders away and got their attention. And that allows for people like Diego and Carlos to be able to find their lanes and score.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think he's a he's a bust either. I mean, if after one year we sold Diego Rossi, like after one year he's not he's not performing the way he's performing now, it's recency bias, right? So, you know, he's kind of here. He was here to quote unquote replace Diego but he he left before him. I think these stats and the bylines and the box scores don't say what he did on the field. Was he Did he live up to the wages he was earning? Potentially not, but it doesn't mean he was a bad player and doesn't mean he wasn't a designated player. There's a lot more designated players in the league that are bust and are not in the position or in the conversations that LAFC are. Even in the conversations down in South America, in the high esteem in a short amount of time that LAFC has earned right so I don't buy that the fact that he's already to you know after a year going to a La Liga in contention to go to La Liga 2 in contention to go to La Liga to me that caliber type of player isn't a bust like who would say that someone that is a casual and is hurt that he's leaving their team not someone that is really observing and appreciating some of the things that he did well but I'm not gonna be without criticism that does have a long touch at times and he could have performed better but definitely a good prospect and happy he was here hopefully he comes back better and if he doesn't hopefully he makes us a lot of money
1: now let me ask you something christian the league in uruguay the top division in uruguay what do you feel like coming to the mls obviously coming here to the mls is a step in publicity and notoriety and recognition but the play on the pitch Is it at a similar level? Is one better than the other? Because I feel like, you know, a player who is 19 years old, if the leagues in Uruguay are at a lower level than the MLS, then, you know, coming over here and having a long touch and thing and playing at the level that he did where his timing is off and things like that that could also be adjusting to a league that's challenging him more and that's not to say he's not going to have the same struggles in La Liga too but it's just like I said it's a matter of of being in a system that is able to accentuate his skill set because you can see at the top flight international level that he is able to perform so you know do you feel like the Uruguayan top flight is at a level like the MLS or do you think it's a tougher to league than the MLS?
2: It's a top heavy league. I think there's like essentially like two or three teams that compete to be champions. Peñarol's I think the winningest club, right? So as a league, no, it's not as competitive. There there's also the travel that, that happens in the US, but I think the league here is faster and more physical than the Uruguayan League as a whole. But I think it is top heavy, so some of the best teams have the best players, and when they compete against each other, they bring out the best. I but just don't playing think
0: with teams outside of Uruguay, though. I mean, you know, being 10 year old, that means you're always going to be playing against teams from Argentina and Brazil. I mean, you're True. always going to be in those, you know, sort of international cup competitions.
2: Totally, no, that's a really good point. They're always in Libertadores, competing, trying to get, you know, that cup down in South America. The other thing I wanted to say is, I think. He didn't get the reps I think he needed, right? And part of that was because Rossi was in front of him or Vella. And then we had, he's not a central striker. And then we had Dio and BWP kind of taking up that spot and then Mazovsky. So I don't really think he got a fair shake. And then when he got his
1: opportunities, I'd say
2: seven times out of ten, he didn't take it. I hope he
1: does. Well, I hope that they don't bench him after they see what they want to see, I hope that he goes to this team and I hope he kills it. And I hope that all the naysayers and the people that want to call him a bust, they, you know, that he does well over there that, you know, uh, Almedia signs him permanently. And because I just think that that would, and I hope that Almedia goes and promotes, because I think that that is what is good for the club and seeing other people have success leads to us having success.
2: Moving on, moving on to the next. There was a couple a couple signings, right? We talked about one potential player leaving, one that actually left on loan. But the club did do some business in terms of bringing in or re-signing some players. First one uh, I want to kind of talk about here is LAFC re-signing Jordan Harvey. Last year, in terms of stats, no goals. He had an assist. He played in 11 matches, 8 starts. And, you know, fun fact about him, he loves Sublime. So everybody loves Sublime, especially Vince. <laughs>
1: Uh, and and how, do you, how do you guys feel about re-signing Jordan Harvey? I like Jordan. I think that he is there as a leader in the locker room. He's going to fill the same role this year as he did last year, which is to be a presence in the locker room, to help develop the younger players on the team, and he's going to get his minutes when there are opportunities to get him his minutes or if there are injuries. He is going to take a role. We need to have role players on this squad. Not everybody can be a, a starter, for um, you know the whole season, and and I really I think that it's a great signing. Jordan has definitely become part of the black and gold fabric, and I'm really happy that we re-signed him.
0: Obviously, he didn't get signed to be a starter, so obviously the intangibles, quote unquote, so to speak, that a player possesses are exactly what Thorington and Bradley see in him. So we know he's a good locker room guy. We know he's a good media guy. He can have a tough loss, tough game, disappointing moment, and stand in front of a camera and take it. If LAFC have a rough night, he can be the one to dive on the media grenade. He says the right things. He goes about his business the right way. Family man, good character man. Obviously, we all love Kim and what she performs for us at the bank and just having their family around, especially a person who him and his family have been with us since the beginning You know, I would hate to see Jordan Harvey going somewhere else for his last year or two. This is, you know, probably his swan song. Do we think he's going to get 1,500 minutes? Of course not. But if he can help develop people, help integrate people into the system, be that person out there on the pitch and on the practice pitch that's communicating and helping translate Bob's message, a message he's had years to understand, all of that's very positive. And he's Mandy's favorite defender, so I'm super stoked that he's back. Plus, really nice guy, you know, graduated from one of my rival high schools, same year as me. So, you know, we have some contention that goes back a ways. It's nice to see him there. Got a chance to interview him with Somos LAFC podcast when I was guesting over there. And just one of the nicest guys ever. We also had a bizarre night of playing keepy uppie inside of a liquor store in the Valley when he was doing a promo one night at a store I was working at. For Heineken, we got to uh, kick a ball around inside a liquor store for a while and actually got him to put one of the box masks on and take a picture with it and all that. So super nice guy. Couldn't Couldn't say anything nicer about him. And I'm glad that he's back just for that presence alone.
2: I will say it speaks volumes to his fitness and being able to continue to contribute to the team. There was a right defender that could not do that last year. And I know that it's the defender's favorite player, so I will not even say his name. Another signing was uh, Thomas Romero, officially signed. He's... Um, I think we talked about him in previous episodes. Coming from uh, homegrown from the union, he's recently been called up to the El Salvador U23. So super excited to have a competing third goalkeeper in the mix. Um, How do you guys feel about Tomás Romero?
0: Well, we already knew he was signed. It had already been leaked that he had signed with LAFC. So when the announcement came out that he had officially signed, it was like, okay, well, everyone knew he had signed. LAFC is not going to trade all that money to go after his homegrown rights for him not to sign with us. So it was clear that that was the intent from the beginning. We already reported it and knew it as fact because it had been reliably spread that that was the case. We get the official notification of it. doesn't change anything we've previously said about the guy. It gives us the option now to move Sisniega or Vermeer if a good option to place one of the two of them out comes up. Otherwise, he's a perfectly serviceable third-string keeper that can go out on loan and get his reps and hopefully have a big role with us on down the road. I think
1: it's great. Obviously, having competition is great. What I am interested to see is you know, long-term development. I would like to see players that we have and we develop over a, a period of time, especially because Vermeer is, is only going to be with the club for a, a number of seasons and Pablo is still young and I hope that Pablo still continues to develop and decides to stay with LAFC to see out his career when his time is up. And who knows, that could be this season too because he was already starting over Kenneth last year. But ultimately, I want to see Romero develop and stay here. And I think with goalies, tends to be that they need to be a little bit older to really see them in what is considered their prime. So it might be a bit of time, and it's more of like a patient adventure with him, as opposed to an instant gratification turnaround.
0: Yeah, it's a third string keeper. We'll see. There's a lot that has to pan out for him to play a big role, and I think we're years away from that. So the last little bit of news and notes before we move on to player grades, the collective bargaining agreement situation continues to be escalating. It seems that the clear idea to meet in the middle, which was proposed by the players, was rejected by the owners, and it now seems that ownership is very clear that they are demanding 2027 be included in any agreement going forward, which from an optics standpoint looks really bad for the players, considering that the 2026 World Cup is going to be shared between United States, Mexico, and Canada. Players really looking forward to a bump in salary and attention to MLS and just you know football here in the United States as a result of that World Cup are thinking that ownership is attempting to freeze them out of a potential cup bump. So curious what your guys' thoughts are on ownership's fervent demands that 2027 be included in the CBA and the obvious reluctancy of the MLSPA to acquiesce.
2: Something's got to give. So I I hope the the players stay strong, but also both sides concede something so I'm hopeful of that I mean there's dates that have been put out there fans that are starting to get excited and talking offseason moves etc so it'd be a shame if they cannot come to an agreement
1: it's disappointing you know I think obviously we all stand with the players and the players union and that's ultimately where we're gonna back it's just not its not a good time. Uh, this this really couldn't come at a worse time, especially because the league is starting to gain some good notoriety and to have something like this happen is just uh, bad timing. So I really hope that they can figure something out so that it doesn't culminate in a, in a strike or a lockout. But we'll just have to see and hope that the collective bargaining goes well.
0: My confidence is still that cooler heads will prevail and ultimately a decision will be made. Disappointed to see any time negative press plays out publicly. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like the media being used to resolve issues like this. But we shall see. Hopefully that uh, comes to a head quickly and does not impact any gameplay whatsoever. So that about wraps us up for news and notes with that. We'll go ahead and dive into section two player grades, Mr. Signs. Why don't you go ahead and give us a rundown, kick us off there.
1: All right. So we're going to talk about six different strikers that are on the team currently. Uh, I mean, other than Brian Rodriguez, we weren't going to talk about anybody like, uh, Adam or Bradley Wright Phillips who had left, but, uh, so we're going to talk about Corey Baird, Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela, Danny Mussofsky, Brian Rodriguez, and Christian Torres. So, boys, Corey Baird, what is your initial impressions of Corey Baird?
0: Kids got speed. We're excited about that. Young, love his roster slot that he takes, positively affects the team. If we look at his production last year on a terrible RSL team that was in shambles, drama on the pitch, off the pitch, he had two goals and four assists in 21 games played. Just to compare that against Raito's two goals, six assists, and 19 games played for a wonderful LAFC team, I think LAFC is hoping his production mirrors Raito going forward. And if we can get that from him and we can utilize that speed positively, and he's effective across all three fronts, we're excited about what we see going forward. But last year's performance from him coming off a phenomenal couple of years before that, you would have to say that he was probably in B- camp there for me.
2: I totally agree. B- for me. Although I am hopeful he's a tried-and-true player in the league. He can play in the wings or essentially, so I think he's going to be a good fit for the team and what the team needs going forward for the 2021 season. So, But B- is what I'd give him because he overperformed on a very, very bad Team in RSL.
1: Okay, Diego Rossi. He had 16 goals, three assists, and 19 games played. He was the MLS's back Golden Boot winner. He was also the MLS regular season Golden Boot winner, and he had two goals in the CONCACAF Champions League. Christian, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, he he was a plus
2: for me, right? He was our offense last year, especially with Vela. You know, missing part of the season because of MLS's back, then coming back and getting injured. The only consistent part of our team was our offense, and our offense was Diego Rossi for the most part. Everything else was questionable on a week-to-week basis on what we would get. But he would show up, put his work boots on, and go to work. Which is, I can understand why LAFC doesn't want to sell him for 10 million pounds to Reading. So... That's my grade on him, and he's coming to his own. He, he came in nineteen ish after a few years. He's 22, and he's he's one of the top dogs in the league, and he puts fear in people's eyes when we, uh, we face the other teams. So I'm really happy about Rossi's progress, his development, and I think hopefully, you know, if he moves on this summer, it's to a bigger club than Reading. No offense to Reading listeners. I know we have many.
0: Yeah. Um... To see what other players in MLS were going for in transfer market values recently, if we just look at what other players left for, you know, the offers on the table for Rossi were ridiculous. He's absolutely an A-plus player. When Carlos Vela was out, he stepped in and looked absolutely fantastic. You know, those goals he was scoring in CCL against, you know, lay on that beautiful, I mean... My goodness, he had some absolutely sensational goals for us throughout the course of the season. Someone who's shown clear improvement in his time with LAFC and being as young as he is, 22 years old, the trajectory for him. It just makes sense that LAFC keeps him till the summer window and sells him because once fans get back in seats, clubs start get some money coming in. They're going to want to wow those fans with some signings, and I definitely see him going in the summer for significantly more money than was bandied about over the course of this window. Look, I mean, it doesn't get any more OG than Rossi he scored our first goal, has been with us from the beginning, but A+, and uh, it's going to be sad to see him go, and hopefully we get two brink trucks for him.
1: The captain, Carlitos. He had four goals, two assists, in eight games. And that was in the regular season. He did not participate in the MLS's back tournament. And then in the CONCACAF Champions League, he had five goals in the five games that he played. What did you guys think about uh, Carlos, Jonathan?
0: A-plus, best player in the league. Any game he's in, he absolutely changes the game. What he did in CCL, two goals in two minutes. I mean, there's not enough superlatives in the dictionary to speak about what Carlos Vela is to LAFC on the pitch, off the pitch. It's disappointing that COVID stole our opportunity to see him continue. We know that his family and his expecting wife are his priority. No one questions that, why he sat out. It's disappointing we didn't get to see it. And something I'm really looking forward to seeing as long as he is with us. He is the best player that has ever put on our kit and probably ever will for some time. And it's a pleasure to watch him anytime he's out there.
2: I'm giving him an A and just slightly behind Diego Rossi just because he carried the team. And he was uh, injured. Not that it was his fault, but he was just not able to participate in the season. And I think he could have helped us uh, if fit, get a higher seed and kind of avoid that first round drop. And he also missed a PK, which is... You know, uncharacteristic for him. That's the only knock on him that I have this season. Other than that, I mean, anytime you are able to see Vela on TV or if you have the opportunity to go to a stadium, that guy is box office, as Stephen A. Smith would say. He produces moments. He makes sure that you're going to get up off your seat multiple times. And even if you know what he's going to do, he still does it. That's the kind of player that he is, that left foot is lethal, and I can't wait to go to the stadium and watch him again.
1: All right, plugging away, moving on. We've got our next player is a newer player to the team this year, Danny Mussofsky, the Moose. He had five goals, one assist, and 15 games played. Christian?
2: Mussofsky, I will give him a B plus. I think more than anything because he, my expectations, I did not have any, and he far exceeded those. I think his link-up play was great. His touch is really good. He has a strong shot with both feet. And he came up big in some moments when we needed to salvage some points or get some wins. So kudos to the front office in signing him from the USL. And I expect a step up in development now that he's been here a full season in fitness. And I think there is going to be a really good case to be made for him to be a starter. Unless Corey Baird kind of takes that from him in the offseason
0: bro you are crazy i'm sorry man you have to take a drug test for the next episode how can you give him a b he scored five goals one assist 15 games from danny who mazowski no one saw five goals coming from him in 15 games that kind of production is absolutely headed shoulders above what we anticipated from this kid how could you not give him an a a plus he became an essential part of our squad depth from someone that we really had no idea what we were going to get from him when he came in. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go A all the way, borderline A-plus for his production. You know, I mean, he outgoaled Raito by significant margin and did so confidently. I I love the kid. I can't wait to see more of it.
1: Brian Rodriguez, what do you say, Jonathan, about Brian Rodriguez? Two goals, six assists in 19 games.
0: I got one word, Baito. Wow, that was terrible.
1: That was
2: absolutely terrible. I loved it. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Um, until the particulars of his uh, loan come back and we find out if he's coming back, if he's going, I've said my piece about him earlier. There's no point in, in going on. But we're gonna give him a letter grade. I'm gonna go see.
2: <laughs> what do you got, Christian? I got a B minus, and he like to Jonathan's point. I'm a fair grader, and I'm not gonna put him above. Mazovsky's production, right, and also the starting point and expectation. Those go into my grading rubric, if you would say. So he, you know, he's a great player, but I think there's a lot of pressure on him. Obviously, a lot of dollars spent, and he had the ability, without being on the team because of his injury, to kind of, you know, grab the opportunity from the scruff of the neck, like some of the Brits say, and didn't do it. Right. So I'm glad that, you know, Almeria has an eye, maybe an eye on him. And it, it could have been that because of the way he did not perform, but has potential that they see an
1: opportunity to get him on a loan, potentially undervalued. But B minus for me. Something that just popped into my head that we didn't talk about earlier when the transfer was coming. The loan deal was coming through. So Brian Rodriguez, even though he is no longer on the team for a loan spell, that designated player spot is not officially available. So that's just something else for our listeners to be aware of. Because if he were to come back from his loan spell, he he would fill a designated spot. So we can't backfill that designated spot while he's still technically part of the roster, I believe. So we would have to wait to fill that spot in the summer transfer window, which is probably a likelier situation because then we'll know what we need and where we're looking to fill a spot, whether it's a midfielder or another striker. So
0: We only have two months of games before his loan spell is over. So we're only talking about two months of the actual season that will go by while he's loaned out. I do think you can fill that DP slot. You just can't bring the player back from loan then. So you would have to resolve it at that point. You'd have to get rid of somebody. But I think it's your active rosters allowed three designated players. And if one's loaned out, you can bring in another. But it forces your hand once the loan's up.
1: Maybe you'd have to restructure a contract or something like that. Last striker that we're going to talk about is the young man who is from our academy, Mr. Christian Torres. He had nine games that he played in and he had one goal so what do you guys uh what kind of grade do you guys want to give Christian I give
2: Christian a B plus he did really well he exceeded expectations he grabbed minutes where he probably didn't expect to get minutes but he took the opportunity so he beat out Raito for sure and don't give him an A because you know he didn't break into the starting like I might be a harder grader than you Jonathan I see you shaking your head for (laughs) those listening
0: on the screen
2: but to me if we have Rossi and Vela those are the A players and I'm not saying that any of the players that I just graded aren't good but they're not at that level which is why they're not getting A's for me what he's saying is
1: Diego and Carlos are messing up the
0: curve is what he's saying and I'm saying they're not at that level because they're not 16 years old the kid is 16. Hey, I want to give him a chip
2: on his shoulder, man. I want him to listen to this and be like, dude, Christian totally shot me down, and I'm going to prove him wrong. He has my name but doesn't have my drive. That's what I want him to get out of this.
0: I don't know, man. I, I got to go A. The only reason I'm not giving him an A-plus is because he changed from number forty two and I was really bummed. I wanted him to keep number forty two because obviously that's, that's Jackie. That's my favorite number. That's that's the kid number I wear. So I'm I'm only not giving him an A plus because he abandoned the number forty two. But look, a sixteen year old young man, professional athlete, nine appearances for L E F C and a goal. My heart skips a beat every time he takes the pitch. I want nothing but success for him, and I cannot wait for years of him performing with us and the fact that he's an academy product. Everything about him is is A, written all over it. Fantastic kid.
2: I almost want to give him an A-4 for changing his jersey.
0: I love how you become the contrarian, right? I, I think I, you haven't mentioned Premier League, at least during the recording today, just to dig into the two of you.
1: Okay, so that's it. Let's go and give... How about an overall grade now for the club? LaFC 2020... You know, keep in mind MLS's back tournament, keep it in mind the comeback versus Leon, the injuries, the protests, the games being moved, all of these things that were making it hard for our teams to have continuity and success on the pitch, ultimately culminating in a disappointing playoff loss, but then the resurgence at the end of the year. So what is your guide's overall grade for LAFC this year?
0: A minus. We made it to a finals. We missed it by twenty minutes. You know, we made it to both playoffs and ultimately, you know, lost in PKs and the MLS is back, lost to COVID, uh, you know, in, in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I get it. Look, you got to go out there and perform with the team you got. But, you know, for the hand that was dealt us in a year of so much craziness to have gotten so far and accomplished so much, you know, with the squad that we had, um, A minus.
2: i give us a B plus. What I'd say is, LAFC has put a high standard on itself. It's at times, I think, hard for supporters and fans to realize that we're now expected to do well every year. We're in the conversation, and when we don't perform well, we're talked about. So that's the only reason I put a little bit more pressure on the team. But COVID did suck, and i take a B-plus in a 2020 year any, any day because some other teams perform much, much more worse we did and didn't have a Champions League almost victory. And I think they culminated the year in a bittersweet way for us as fans and supporters.
1: No, I don't have a grade. It's, you know, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, the B plus A minus, you know, give them an 89 and a half percent in my book. But it's interesting after the loan deal went through, I'm looking on social media on Instagram and I see a bunch of people making comments on just some of like the generic MLS pages you know where it's like the those instagram accounts that cover the whole mls and they'll put up memes or all sorts of stuff and i feel like lafc is an unpopular team amongst the league like i didn't realize that lafc was so disliked because you, you know i started looking at these accounts and i see how many times they make fun of lafc and i was just like wow i had no idea that we were that disliked and uh, it's Uh, it's interesting because I, you know, the only teams that's ever really on our radar are the teams here in California, really, or at least on the West coast. So to know that there are actually teams that, you know, they were so relieved when we didn't win that, that game against uh, Tigres uh, because then they're like, we're never going to hear the end of it. And they're just going to constantly throw it in our face and yada, yada. It's just like, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't expect us to be this hated, hated club.
0: Uh, something to be said for if you're hated, you're doing it right. So, well, that about wraps it up for player reviews. Thank you again for listening to today's show. You can follow us at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. Please reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on this show. Whether you are a casual fan, a diehard supporter, or someone involved in the LAFC community or the greater Los Angeles community, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show. Speaking of people that are going to be on the show, we got a great episode next week. Hope he doesn't flake on us now that we're teasing us. Uh, We got the Max Bretos joining us next week. So I'll be stoked to finally uh, have two metalheads on the same show. Finally, after suffering through other people's music on every podcast appearance I have been on, it will be nice to have some like-minded folk on the show. So hopefully we will go down that path as well as, of course, the LAFC story, the Max story, and his amazing career in the various sports that he covers. It's going to be a pretty cool interview next week, so please stay tuned for that. But on behalf of Chris Christian, Sound Engineer Wilton, and myself, thank you for listening. Have a good night. Take us home sticks, double to show up together this our culture for the force up a supernova stay flying at FC door hey shopping down the nicky's Korea town lady, keep us old mommy about to drop her fifth breath, they won't need to stop but I ain't come to my house
1: I defend that bank